0: So guys, did you ever dream of becoming a ballet dancer? Have you ever wanted to perform on a stage and dance your heart out? Did you wonder what it takes and if you have it? Well, on today's episode, we're talking to Julie Granger, ballerina, yogi, fitness instructor, studio owner, and just a force of nature one two three hola hello everyone it's your host sabrina and welcome to the pretty sure podcast where we'll talk about everything from travel dating to expat life and everything in between with new guests and topics each week we'll get advice some insights and talk about things i'm pretty sure you've all experienced at one point or another sometimes all we really want to know is why what does it mean And am I the only one? See, I felt alone many times in my life, but I've gotten through it all by having my friends at my side. So I want you to think of me as your new best friend. We'll laugh together and maybe even overthink a little, but we'll have a damn good time at it all. So get ready, guys, because here we go. Guys, let's talk about childhood dreams today. What did you want to be when you were little? Was it a fireman? A lawyer? maybe a scientist, a business owner? Well, I myself went through so many phases. I honestly initially wanted to be a ballerina and I was good at it. Don't get me wrong. Like I had a blast dancing my little feet off as a five-year-old, but then I decided I didn't want it to pursue it professionally. I did Taekwondo. I went through the same process. Then I did painting, tennis, basketball, and so many other things I can't even count anymore. And I obviously didn't end up doing any of those things, but it's kind of nice to dream, right? And think about those goals when you're young. What we don't think about is what happens when you actually accomplish the dream you had, your heart set on since you were a child. Is it everything you've always dreamed of, or is it not exactly what it's hyped up to be once you achieve it? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about with our guest today. I'm super excited to speak to Julie Granger because I'm actually a big fan of her fitness classes. I kid you not, I actually joined a gym here in Paris called Che Simone back when she was teaching there just to take her classes every week. They're killer, but oh, so good. Now she opened a studio, which she'll obviously talk to us about too. So welcome, Julie. I'm super excited to have you here, I'm pretty sure. And let's get started. So please tell us your story.
1: Hi. Well, thanks for having me. I'm I'm super excited too. Um, so my name is Julie. I'm originally from a, a town near Paris, and um, uh, when I was 11 years old, I decided I wanted to be a ballerina. So uh, I um, I started training actually pretty late when I was about. 16 years old because I have to say my dad didn't really want me to dance Mm -hmm. uh so I didn't really have much much of a choice from 11 to 16 and at 16 I started training professionally then I um I left for the US I'm doing it short because I guess we'll talk in details a bit more later um (laughs) But um, then I did that. And then I became a later on, I became a fitness instructor. Uh, I taught for Equinox in New York City. Um, I was also modeling at the time. And I recently after 11 years came back uh, to Paris to open my own studio. It's called the Studio Paris. And it's uh, the idea behind it is really to have the first uh, New York style boutique fitness studio in Paris, because I think that the
0: city was lacking that. So yeah. That's me <laughs> That's crazy 11 years And you decided to come back Wow yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what actually Made you get into ballet Like was it something You really always thought about Did you just fall in love With like dancing Or how did that happen
1: Well my mom is a, My mom always danced So she's a dancer And she sent me up For ballet When I was 7 years old And I didn't really think Much of it From 7 to You know 11 And then I don't know When I mm-hmm. was 11 That's All of a sudden Like I actually remember uh, maybe probably it's the teacher I had that completely changed my vision. And all I know is that all I wanted to do was dance. I was at school. I was, you know, drawing ballerinas everywhere. I would Mm -hmm. be at home and I would dance. I would be in ballet class. I would never want to leave. And so it it was kind of, it kind of became an obsession. Um, -hmm. I was in a little town school. Um, and that's, you know, that's how that's how it started. I remember it clearly when I was 11 years old. And then from 11 to 15, 16, uh, I wanted to audition and get into, you know, pro- those professional school, pre-professional programs. Yeah. And my dad didn't really want or didn't want at all. And so that was really <laughs> making me, I have to say, you know, like it was making me quite... Miserable at the time. And then when I was 16, my mom and I kind of sneaked out and I went to audition um, for a very good school. And then I got in. uh, The only, I think at the time, uh, got in, two people got in out of the entire audition. And then I just. Wow came home when I got that answer and, uh, you know, I tried to tell my dad, listen, this is what's happening. Can you please let me go to, uh, cause at the time I didn't live in Paris, like an hour and a half away. So can you please yeah. let me do this? And then from 16, my last two years of high school, I, I would go to Paris every day, go to a private school there in the morning and then go mm-hmm. to train like very, uh, very hard in, in ballet all afternoon long and come back. Um, and so that's, I, I guess that's how it all started.
0: That's crazy. And did you realize you wanted to do this in the long run at that moment? Or was it actually when you got into that school that you thought, hey, maybe I can do this for a living?
1: No, I, I knew before because wanting to get into the school was like, I knew this is what you needed. I mean, it's really hard. Mm-hmm it's late to get in a school like that at 16 years old, you know, like people get in mm-hmm. at nine, 10, 11, and they do that. So already I was like super, super late. And I knew this is my last chance. I really, if I don't get it now, you can't be a professional. If you dance three times a week, you know, you need to have like a yeah. pro- proper training. And so I, I always knew, but I always knew like, I'm running out of time, you know, um, <laughs> No, no, I always knew. And then I, I basically the those two years that I spent in Paris training were really, really hard because I would get up at 5 a.m. to stretch and do my routine and then take a 7 a.m. train and uh, then go to school, then go to ballet. And, you know, ballet training is not easy. It's not particularly – it's not a nice environment to be in. And then I had – I was mm-hmm. late. I was 16. And at the first year I was with girls younger than me. And then I really had to – I had to work extra, extra, extra to just, um, make sure that I would, you know, catch up.
0: Yeah. So. What's the hardest part about being a ballet dancer? Is it actually, um, doing the whole routine and everything in the training, or is it like you said, the environment, like, what would you feel it's the hardest? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the physical pain is definitely, definitely one of the, the biggest challenges, but, I have to say that standing in front of a mirror all day long, uh, wearing nothing but a leotard and tights—if uh, you like—we don't think about it because that's what we do. But now that I'm out of this world, even though I still mm-hmm. spend time, you know, in front of a mirror because I'm a fitness instructor, but in a different way, I think that uh, you're just what. How, how many hours a day, however many hours a day you are looking at yourself in that mirror, only seeing def- uh, you know flaws and what yeah. you should be improving. And that's all you do all day, every day, your entire life. I think that in the long yeah. run, that's probably the hardest thing, even though maybe that's not what first comes to mind, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And so why did you actually move to the US? Um, was it because you got a job opportunity or it wasn't as like, was it? Was the dancing style in New York different than what you wanted to learn here? Or how did that happen? Uh,
1: it's quite funny. Uh, after I got my high school diploma at the back, you know, in France, and then I had such good mm-hmm. results. I asked my dad, can I please take a year off? Can I please take a year off so I can uh, train and audition into ballet companies or ballet schools? And, and he, he said, OK. And he said, well, you're not going to just do that. You're going to go and you're going to learn English for two months during the summer. And mm-hmm. so I said, okay, said, uh, I said, okay, sure I'll do that. I was injured at the time I have a bad foot. So I was supposed mm-hmm. to rest my foot, go learn English. So I did that. I went to Boston and I was in this language school, but I kind of sneaked my way into taking classes at, you know in Boston Valley. And then they said, "Well you, you should audition for the pre-professional program." And I said, really?" And so I did. And the day before I was supposed to go back to France after my two months language you know English course, I yeah. got this phone call that I got in so that's crazy I was to be there for two months but I only came back 11 years later you
0: know? wow
1: so, yeah, and
0: did, you, did you have a feeling you were gonna stay for that long like at the time where you were just like oh I might try this for a year and see what happens
1: um I don't I don't really know i uh right then I'm not sure uh I always dreamed of the U.S. like this was a childhood dream it, As a a child, I was like, one day I will go to Mm -hmm. New York City on vacation. You know, like that would be like (laughs) one of my dreams. You know, I had a big African flag. I knew all the states and their capitals. I was a little obsessed with the states. So when I was (laughs) there, I was like, oh, you know, I'm here. This is the dream already. So that was already a dream. Then getting in Boston Ballet School, which was one of the best schools in the states and also... Mm I had been really dreaming about um, for a long time without ever thinking I could even get there ever. You know, it was not even a dream of yeah. something. That, it was just some thought, you know, like, oh, it would be so nice if, you know. And yeah. so I don't know if I asked myself that question because I was so focused at trying to work hard and, and be good. And, and and then, you know, you can get kicked out of the school every every year. So then I, I did the exam and I, I got in the second year. So I stayed and then I ended up just... Just yeah, I ended up staying. I just know that towards after three, four years, I was Mm -hmm. convinced I would never go back to Paris. This is what I I know. I don't know if back then at the very start, I knew I was going to stay forever. But after three, four years, I would have bet my life that never would I move away from New York City. (laughs) that's crazy Yeah. so you know life you know life what you're convinced of Yeah. And, you know, what actually happens and how you can change your mind because it's really my mind that changed and not you know it's not because I was forced to come back so yeah it's important to never have complete certainty I think
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah and have you seen like when you were dancing there and here did you see a difference between the dancing styles or how they treated ballet there whereas in Paris for example or Europe
1: yeah, definitely. Well, first, uh, if you if you go to regular school in France and you say you want to be, I was I was good at school. So, uh, before I left for the school, and like my teachers were like, "What? You're not going to waste your what are your potential into doing ballet? Like, what are you doing? This is a big mistake," you know. So, first, there's a way of how people see. Even my dad, he was, he <laughs> was not really. I don't think he was particularly ha- happy or maybe proud And I, I wanted to do that. Whereas in the states, I have to say, it's much. It's it's regarded very well. Like yeah. if your kid is a ballet dancer, you're proud of your kid, you know. Uh, so yeah. there is that about extracurricular activities in the States that are really well, you know, considered, you know, I guess if I can say. But the dancing style um, in France, everything is about perfection. So your body has to be perfect. Your feet have to be perfect. Everything you do has to be perfect. Um, mm. uh, even if, you, if it's not as... Uh, you know, eye-catching or, you know, it's just, but it has to be perfect. Like, don't make a mistake. So you do two turns very clean, not three mm-hmm. turns kind of so-so, you know? So in a way, mm. the, the dancing style is much more elegant, more beautiful, I think. Uh, but in the US, they don't care about perfect. Uh, all they care about is how impressive something looks and how much passion and how much work you, you put into it. So it's not as pretty, but usually it's more mm-hmm. entertaining because if you don't know ballet and you look at an American dancer, you, you, you're like, whoa. whoa, you know, you, whereas in France, it's yeah. everything subtle.
0: Hmm. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. That's very, that's super interesting. <laughs> and so along your ballet career, did you have to do any sacrifices in order to accomplish your goals?
1: Yes, I mean, I think like when you're when I was training, because I didn't, uh, you know, I quickly, quite quickly, I guess, moved into fitness later. But when I was training, Mm -hmm. you know, I told you before, I was getting up at 5 a.m. every morning uh, so I could stretch Mm -hmm. before taking my 7 a.m. train, I would go to school, then to ballet, would get yelled at for three hours, get home at like 7 p.m., uh, would do homework because I had a lot of pressure to succeed in at school because I knew that my dad was not so happy about me dancing. And so right. I really... Um, you know, I wanted to, 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 I was first in school before. So I wanted to keep that so that he wouldn't say, you see, now you're dancing and your school, your grades are dropped, you know? So yeah. I that pressure and I would fall asleep on my books every night, wake up every morning, 5. am with the lights on the books on the floor and it would go oh again six days a week, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like uh, when teenage girls, people like guy, like teenagers, they party, they go and you know, like I was kind of like just working or commuting or trying to recover from working or commuting. Um so I don't think I had like this regular teenagehood of sleeping in and going to parties yeah. and you know doing things you're not supposed to do you know I, I was quite yeah. you know like a nice girl you know um <laughs> I feel like I was there was not many vacations
0: involved let's say you know um, <laughs> so. and do you think it was worth it or would you change something now th- looking back on it like if you could
1: well so if you tell me right now, I, uh, can you do it all over again? I would say no. I would never get the strength or the courage or the. I had mm-hmm. so much drive and will, and I don't know. I mean, there is something that you know. I don't think I could do it again. And I am, but I am. I am so glad that I did it because that's if I didn't do that, my life would be completely different. Like every challenge I face now, mm-hmm. I always say, "But Julie, remember high school." And then all of a sudden, I promise, it's like, "Oh, okay." Nothing has ever been as hard. <laughs> Opening a business, moving away, doing this, doing that. Nothing has ever been as hard as these last two years of high school, doing these things. So, I, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do it again. But I mm-hmm. would change one tiny thing, even if it was hard sometimes, even if I made, uh, you know, made decisions that were not really maybe the best or what I I don't think seeing where I am now, I I wouldn't change even, even every, everything's, every little thing that didn't work out then I wouldn't change anything. I'm happy where I, where it got me, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, obviously it shaped you and it made you who you are. Yeah. (laughs) so it seems like you were pretty successful in ballet when you were doing it what does it actually feel to have accomplished everything you'd ever dreamed of because obviously you mentioned that you wanted to be like a successful ballerina move to the states and everything and was it all that hyped up to was to be well that's the thing is I
1: kind of I kind of stopped that career before it even um that's what is with my story is like I did all the hard work I did it yeah. all, which is school and this and that and training and, you know. And then once once it got real, so once I started having these offers, is when, yeah. I, is when I went the other way. You know the, the, you know, the kind of like people that are constantly unsatisfied? Yeah. Work your work. I think ballet was one of the hardest goals I could have set up for myself. And then I did it. And then once I got these job offers, I was like, Uh, is that what, you know, is that what my life is going to be now? And then I I was like, so what? okay so now I'm bored so what I I had this sense of panic like (gasps) that can't be it because I'm 20 years old then that's (laughs) it you know so in a way it's super satisfying because I had many other goals fulfilled so every I have lots of check marks you know and I have to say that every single dream and goal I had as a child or as a teenager I have accomplished you know so I'm pretty happy to be able to say that and it's super satisfying but I think that once you've reached your goals especially like if you Face many challenges to reach them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You work so hard. You put all your energy, and then once you get it, there is this kind of like, okay, so you know
0: what's next. Nice, yeah,
1: in a way, the hardest the goal is the more once you get it, you realize like it might not have. You were so focused on to getting it that you didn't think, but what if this is not what I actually really want, or, or what if this is not going to make me happy? You just yeah. do it without thinking and then once it's there then you start thinking and then you're like oh okay so it's so you know it's it's and super satisfying and it 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 keeps you 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 always get you have new goals anyway you know
0: yeah (laughs) that's crazy that's really funny but it does happen like that I feel like as you said if the more the harder something is you're just like wait do I really want this
1: yeah because you just If it's really hard, if you start asking yourself a question, you're losing a lot of, you're wasting time, you're wasting energy. So I want to be a ballerina. Okay, I decide that. And, And I'm like that in life. It's also one of my, you know in my character do if I want something I don't ask you know I don't look left and right I go and I try to get in and I I don't really I'm like (laughs) these dogs that I just don't let go you know like this is what I'm gonna do and then and then I think later so in a way it's good in a way it's bad because like you know this this was like a five, I don't know, five, six year project, you yeah. know, and then you, and then you get it. And then, you know, and I was like, is that, do I want to be in these companies that, I, you know, it was not, I don't know. It's just like the life that I thought I would have didn't seem to yeah. me enough. And, and really it wasn't, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm super happy to have, to have had that
0: meh moment and not having yeah. been satisfied so easily. <laughs> that makes sense. And so was this when you decided to go into fitness or how actually did it start that you transitioned from ballet to fitness?
1: Um yeah, so uh, I had this this four-year period where I went to to business school in New York City after I quit ballet. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but what started it all is my, when I was in, in Chicago is when I decided to quit ballet. I was training mm-hmm. at Joffrey Ballet and my friend took me to yoga and I didn't want to go. I had these very French prejugés about everything prejudice, you know, like, oh, well, am I going to do yoga? What, you know? And so she yeah. forced me to go and I fell in love instantly. Just telling you, never say no to anything because, like, I fell in love the first class I ever took. And I like she dragged me there by the feet, you know, and, uh, and so I fell in love with it. So that kind of uh, started a little, I don't know, something in my mind. And then I went to business school in New York City and I was doing yoga every day. I was dancing every day because I didn't quit ballet all of a sudden. I I decided to go study to keep both Mm -hmm. doors open. So I would keep my professional level. I I would take morning class every day and then I would go to business school and I organized my five years business school around my ballet schedule. So, and then I would guest, you know, I would guest perform. And so Mm -hmm. I did both for four years, but I would do yoga at the same time. And then I don't know, I decided to... I decided to do a yoga teacher training in like four years after taking my first yoga class. Cause I really, really, really love that. I mm-hmm. did that. I got in and somehow I got like a job the next day that I got the certification. I don't know how <laughs> it happens. I don't know if these things happen to me. And then I was still at school when I was doing that. So I was still at school, but I started teaching. And then what started it all really in a, in a like, more in a bigger way is that I had left my resume to Equinox which is the leader in the fitness industry mm-hmm. because my boyfriend at the time said go and I said are you kidding me I just got my certification I will never get it You know, I was re- really French about it and I was like I'm never gonna get in why are you saying this and he kind of forced me and I was mad at him I was like oh now I'm gonna just look ridiculous like leaving my resume <laughs> that. Uh, whereas I'm a nobody with a one day certification you know and then so it, They said to me, listen, honey, we have 200 people on the wait list who want to be instructor for us, so forget it. I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, and I don't know why, but I turned around and I said, well, but, you know, I'm a former dancer and and I didn't finish my sentence. And the guy says, oh, so come back then. Leave me a resume, actually, because sometimes we have bar trainings and you might be interested. So he kept Mm -hmm. my resume. I don't remember how many months later, maybe six, I was still teaching yoga, blah, blah. I get a phone call. Hi, you've been selected to be trained for, you know, at our expense, like free, but Mm -hmm. equinox to be a bar instructor. And then I was like, well, no, I have vacation to Capri. Like I had this two (laughs) weeks, so I said, no. And I hang up and I'm like, Julie, so I like, really? So I called him, I said, how many, how often do you have these trainings? And he was like, "Uh, once a year, maybe twice. So I canceled Capri. I did the training. There was 30 people in the training. And at the end, there was one class. So I got the certificate, it was a few weeks, the training Mm -hmm. was a few weeks, and then at the end, there was one class that was for grabs, up for grabs, and then they auditioned us, and then I got it. And so that's how yeah. I got to Equinox. Yeah. And that was like, a, the training is super serious, very, very hard. I have to say, it's not like, it's not easy to, I you know, it's the leader. So my first taste of fitness was directly being part of like the, the you know, Equinox, which is the biggest, you know, fitness yeah. uh, company. And so from then on, it kind of went crazy. I, I would teach a lot of yoga and bark classes and because I was modeling at the same time they would make me do all their shoots and a lot of video shoots and a lot of things and so people would mm-hmm. want to take the class of the girl in the video and and so <laughs> then on it went really crazy and then um, the last year year and a half like I had all these classes always packed and on a wait list like 35 people in class and so wow. this was this was a, a huge success for me it's like being this French girl who has no background in fitness I mean, or, yeah. or anything, and I I found myself like a, a second passion that I would have never imagined, and yeah, and then and it, and it worked, and I was like, it's weird for me. I would not have I would not have been able to conceive that you can be successful in fitness for me. It made no sense because I guess I come from like a French French background, yeah, where you know like you don't see someone being successful as like a fitness instructor so yeah. so that's that's how it started it kind of happened i didn't decide but it's like the passion grew as it, as i went you know and i never, decided, <laughs> yeah. never said i'm gonna do this but somehow opportunities kept coming to me i kept saying yes to them or trying to to take them and then yeah. and i just really was super happy in this career
0: wow So did you actually get to create the, the classes yourself or were they mandated and you just kind of taught them your way? Like how did that happen? Not so that go? E- Critics,
1: at Equinix you have this frame this frame of classes so you have to respect that and then you kind of do your own but I think why people liked it is because my bar classes was a lot based on ballet and I had mm-hmm. a lot of ballet moves and I've always liked to choreograph because something I didn't tell you is when I was in business school I opened my own ballet school which I had for two years so I oh, was wow. uh, yeah, 50 children yeah I did both so uh, in New York so, uh, so I always like to choreograph and um so so for me, it's really like a choreography. So I did that. No, my yoga classes were always just really mine. And they were always yeah. my own vision, which was like very electro music, very cardio, very dancing, very core based, like super challenging. My yoga classes are a workout. So this was like my own, this was my own thing because I can't tell you what to do with yoga. Um mm-hmm. Even though they'd never asked me to teach like a, you know, like a yin class or something relaxing. Like if they asked me, they knew that you you had to be in a club with lots of younger members. And um, for a they would give you like some kind of of frame you had to respect. It was very coded. Um, But within that frame, you had some freedom.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And where do you come up with like the creativity for your courses? Like, I'm always curious, because um, I know that paint some painters, for example, they kind of like see it in their mind. And then some musicians kind of like see the colors or you know, the notes, like how how do you go about choreographing your classes, for example?
1: Yeah, well, so first, as you just said, choreographing, I don't think many fitness instructors have this uh, way to work where they're choreographing a class. I think that they are putting together a class and then they put together a playlist or sometimes the playlist is not that important. So number one for me is the music. So I actually, Mm -hmm. it took me about an hour and a half to put together a playlist, sometimes up to like two and a half hours. I put together my playlist, just really like a ballet, like I would choreograph ballet for these kids <laughs> um mm-hmm. uh i put together my playlist and then the, the mood kind of like so what do i want i love to dance even not just ballet i like to just dance you know uh and so i put together the 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 kind of the choreography of the class the sequencing of the cl- of the class based on this music sometimes if like a, a music is playing anywhere like in a store i see mm-hmm. okay one two Warrior you want reverse it and you know i'm, I'm kind of like dancing my <laughs> yoga sequence on my bar sequence. so i think the music comes first and also because oh oh I always change my classes. I have, I'm kind of old fashioned. I have all these books and these, these I mm-hmm. write, you know, in notebooks. Every single one of my classes is written down. In
0: oh books. yeah, I've seen so,
1: that. <laughs> you've seen it, right? So believe me, I have yeah. tons of, in every class I have the date, when did I teach this class? And it's always written what playlist it goes with. See what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's not just random. Like, this class goes with playlist number 17 and, you know, mm-hmm. so... So it's really hours, hours, hours of work, but it's, it's, I I cannot stand to be bored. I wouldn't stand people to be bored in my classes. I wouldn't stand to read myself too much. So it's really, I I spend more time almost, or not more, but like almost as much time in front of my piece of paper trying to put together the class than I am, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah.
0: So basically you were born kind of with that. That's like your kind of own sauce. Nobody actually taught you that, right?
1: No, nobody taught me that. I mean, I have to say Equinox gave us tools to, uh, they gave us a frame, for example, so my way of thinking within the frame Mm -hmm. makes it easier. But then I came up with ways to create faster because then I put together my own frame and I was like, I want to always do that many minutes of this. And then I want to, and so my classes, if you look at the time, we always change the, like the part of the class is, is always exactly times. And so that mm-hmm. this is in what, I have my own method. Once I've determined this method, it was much quicker quicker I would say for me to put together these classes before it would take me so long so long mm-hmm. like it, between the playlist and the class I would it would take me three hours to plan a one-hour class which was ridiculous you know
0: wow, um, yeah. but
1: now I'm much quicker and it's almost like but really it's a big part of the work like we think fitness instructor but in my uh, for me it's like really I'm teaching the class but the mm-hmm. preparation and what hopefully makes the difference is the preparation and how I try to find these ways, these methods, these, you know, these frames, these to make it like a system. It's like a systematic thing, you know?
0: That's super interesting. I never thought about it like that, like choreographing a fitness class. So cool. (laughs) That's why your classes are so fun. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I'm glad it works. (laughs) It does. Trust me. And so I know from looking at your Instagram and from reading articles about you that you had an injury. How did that happen? Was it because you were still in ballet? You were doing too much? Like, how did that happen? And how did it make you feel when it happened?
1: Okay, so they were. T- I, I believe you're talking about the. So I had an injury that I was born with that 50% of the population is born with. That's the injury that kind of also made me stop ballet. I have some like bone that's in my foot that's not supposed to be there, it makes it very hard to point my foot. Well, this was the mm-hmm. injury. It was not painful. It just prevents you from having strength in your foot, which is obviously a big problem for the ballet dancer. But um, the injury I think you're talking about is. Uh, One one and a half year ago, I got uh two burnoted disks um Mm. in class. Mm -hmm. And so this is what happened. Um I was working way too much. I was becoming quite successful. I have to say I was making good money. And, you know, in New York City, that matters. Yeah. So making good money, I was, and uh, teaching ballet. I had lots of private clients. Uh, all my classes at Equinox were on crazy wait lists. Like the class would book itself up online in 24 seconds. The class would become syllable. Yeah, yeah. I would get yeah. messages. I'm on wait list. I set three alarms. Like, how do I do? And like, I would come every day, and there would be wow. a crazy line outside, like twenty people, and you'd have thirty five people in the class and I was like this every day and you have this wow you have this you're kind of on this weird cloud like it's hard to conceive for like a Parisian but that's how Mm -hmm. it was so I would come and see this line of 20 people hoping to get in you know you you get this weird get this thing like wow like people are really making a lot of efforts to get into this class so I was doing this I was uh, with a nice uh, modeling agency also so I was doing quite a lot of shoots and I was making good money and it was only things I loved, you know, so I Mm -hmm. wasn't high really where I never took into consideration the fact that I actually am not a robot <laughs> or my dad <laughs> is not a robot anyway and so my man I would just say yes to everything so why am I going to say no to this amazing thing why am I going to say no to that you're sending me to teach this event there with this brand why am I going to say you know so yeah. you're living this American dream where everything is working uh, beyond your expectation be- beyond your dreams you do what you want you do what you love you I was never so I was tired but without being tired because like the satisfaction exceeded you know like how tired I was and so friends that tried to warn me and my sister and I said you're gonna do a burnout you're gonna have a burnout Uh, your body is not uh, made of steel and you know all these things and I was like yeah yeah whatever you know I I was into the New York City machine of success (laughs) and and what happened is I got a back strain back in April of that year that I completely ignored. Now, if you have a back strain and you don't even work in fitness, you work at a desk, you have to rest for two weeks. Mm-hmm. I taught 30 classes a week where I was doing the entire class. <laughs> uh, on that back sprain for three months um, oh my God. and then in July I was teaching between the Hamptons and New York and that day I had four classes in the Hamptons had to commute four hours back to the city teach in Manhattan and then teach in Brooklyn in one day <sighs> uh, and the day before I dreamt that I was at the doctor's and he tells me Julie listen to me you are so close to getting an herniated disc like you have to start you know? I had this weird dream so I'm teaching my four classes, and on the last move of the last class, which is not even anything in particular, mm-hmm. uh, the worst pain. I I I think I can like say for like affirm that that it's the worst pain that a human being. I mean, I don't. After this pain, you I don't know what happens, but I almost passed out, wow. and, and and I got this, and I knew right away. I knew what it was. Uh, So then I was stuck in the Hamptons alone and I had to leave the hospital. So they had to carry me via ambulance. I could not move. I couldn't feel my legs. I didn't know what was happening to me. And I was in so much pain. Um, And, you know, when you're like 28 or 27 uh, and you have to leave a hospital in a wheelchair. Yeah. uh, uh, You know what I mean? It's like... uh, what is happening. And so then I was, I was very badly taken care of over there in New York city because I had conflicting, you know, they said, take painkillers. No, don't take painkillers. You're going to get addicted. Mm-hmm. This and that. So I took no painkillers. So I ended up for five weeks looking at my ceiling in the middle of August where I had no friends were in a city. Everybody was on vacation. I could not move. I couldn't do anything. And I could only lie down. So, For five weeks. After five weeks, no improvement. I went to the doctors and he says, listen, it's over. I mean, your disc is never going to get better. I need to do surgery right now. And then you need to Mm -hmm. find another career for yourself. And I was like, uh, what, what?
0: (laughs) You're like, no, try again.
1: (laughs) I actually passed out in his office. (gasps) And yeah, he woke me up and uh, I left this office thinking my life is over. Like, how did I go from this, like, everything to that. Like, I can't even yeah. walk. And um, and so I was supposed to move to to Europe uh, that September, and then that was mm-hmm. the end of, of uh, August. I was supposed to move in October, sorry. And then I um, I called the movers. I said, I know I'm supposed to move next month. Can you move me next week? And this is the story of how I, I left a city that I really loved, that I was in for 11 yeah. years, in, like, one week, because I, I couldn't see... I mean, I was like completely injured. I thought it was over. And they told me in the States it was over. Uh, So then I went home and then actually, no, I I was very well treated. I had amazing PT, amazing doctors. And then, you know, uh, with a lot of work, uh, I actually, from the moment that I got in France, um, Mm -hmm. I was back to teaching a month and a half later.
0: Wow. Do you think it also influenced... That you were kind of alone back there and you didn't really have your family or things like that? Or did that not have anything to do with your decision Uh, to move
1: back to Paris? No, no, no. Originally, I was supposed to move because I wanted to go and open a studio, right? So I was supposed Mm -hmm. to move that... um, that October and this was August. So I knew I was moving. Everybody knew I had already Mm -hmm. said goodbye. I already you know, said that this would be my last uh, at the ballet school. I had quit the ballet Mm -hmm. school after the show in June, you know, so everything was planned. I was not supposed to get injured, but I Mm -hmm. I think that when I was there lying on my back was no, my friends were all on vacation uh, and I was far from my family and I couldn't move Uh, for sure. I I surely felt very lonely. That's for sure.
0: Wow. So what helped you actually overcame, overcome that process? Because I can imagine like when they told you it's over, you were thinking, well, shit, this is over. What do I do now?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I guess I what it's like, I don't accept that, that at the time. So I go home, I call the movers and, and then my I have friends that help me pack up. And then I went to Paris and... I did two and a half hours of PT every day, every single day. Mm-hmm. And I had to like, I had to really swallow my tears for two and a half hours because you would say, do a plank. And like, I can't hold a plank, which is my entire life. What am I doing? Like for hours a day, I do all these crazy yeah. workouts. And now you ask me to, book, to go to a tabletop and I can't even put my knees down because I can't, you know. So I think what helped me overcome was because probably I had such a tough teenagehood. Mm -hmm. But the discipline first, every exercise I had to do, I did. I never skipped it once. I didn't, you know, it was a lot of constraint. It was, you know, annoying. It was making me feel awful and everything. But, like, I never skipped it. So I think that discipline and also the, the lack of another option, because I always lived with my passion as my first, it's, like, what drives everything. And so if you tell me this is over and you tell me it's, like, I could have gone and studied uh, business and and then worked at, I don't know, some firm, whatever. I could have done that a long time ago. It's like now I'm 28 I've put all my efforts and i going against the current my entire life. And now I have to actually go back to where I could have gone and gone on vacation and, and eat whatever I wanted and, and party all night, you know? So I was like, no, (laughs) I didn't do that for for nothing. So I don't know. It's this, this, non acceptance of uh, this person is gonna tell me what I can do you know
0: yeah uh, and okay. has this like experience sorry has this experience kind of changed how now you teach classes like has it made you slow down a bit or what did it teach you basically uh, for sure for sure
1: uh okay, I have this problem that my body still is um uh, I have to force myself to stop even though my body doesn't tell me, hey, can you please uh, Mm -hmm. make it easy? So sometimes I have to tell myself, okay, wait, maybe you're doing too much. So that's like a weird thing for me because it's definitely not automatic. So last week, my back started hurting really badly, for example. And I hated Mm -hmm. myself. I was like, you see, you don't learn. You don't learn. Um, (laughs) But never again, 30-hour classes. Uh, Thirty hour of classes a week. Never again. Yeah. You know, all these things, and and I don't take the entire class. I would actually take the entire class. So if, if I taught eight classes, I would take eight classes. You know, plus commute from class to class. So, um, I I try not to do that. Um, I teach much less, I think, yeah. and I I I refuse to work Sunday now. Like I I try to give myself one day. <laughs> <laughs> and and I would love to give myself two days off yeah um, so that's the goal and hopefully yeah that's the goal and France allows you n- not allows you with the law but just like the, the environment allows you to yeah. take vacation and not feel horrible so I think yeah. uh, I still didn't get to do that but I think that I will uh, hopefully um, try to to allow myself to go on vacation like
0: anyone else, you know, in this country. And you should. You definitely should. <laughs> yes, yes. And so what it's actually been like uh, going coming back to live to Europe after 11 years in New York, because that must be a huge change for you. Well. Oh.
1: Yes. I mean, at first I loved everything. You know, I was Mm -hmm. like the boulangerie downstairs and everything is so cheap. So this was like two weeks. And then I had a miserable month uh, where uh, I have to say, I mean, uh, you go to New York City where people are from everywhere. Now in France, Mm -hmm. of course, I'm French. I love French people. But like all of a sudden you only meet French people. And mm-hmm. I, uh, and so I don't feel completely French uh, because I left when I was 18. So for me, I really grew up. My mentality is really American. My culture is French, but my, my you know, I love my baguette and my cheese, but yeah. my mentality with work and with, you know, uh, is really American. So I felt stuck with French people who thought I was like them, but I was feeling like uh, not like them. So... Mm-hmm. That was really from you. Where are the people from other places? Where are the Spanish, the Italian, the the, the Americans? The, you know, um, yeah. so that was hard. And also, I have to say, I mean, again, you know, I love French people, but we are so close-minded. <laughs> so when you go, it's like, what do you do? I'm a yoga instructor. You can. It's funny. You see people's like people's faces like all of a sudden it's like they don't respect you and for yeah. me what had this career like where you know i was on equinox and all, on all the tvs at equinox and i would you yeah. know i would have the all these pack classes and all these uh, you know these events and uh, and then you go and you know i would say well i'm a yoga instructor i'm a fitness instructor and see people all of a sudden be like oh like what you know this it's like so what so i do that so you don't respect me and so you know and and then you have this you're comparing it to what you had before you know and you say well i that and now people consider me like this
0: yeah.
1: and because they're close-minded because if if they had been open-minded they would have said oh really what do you do and then maybe you could have explained and maybe they would have been like oh wow like you know so yeah, I think right. this was like the main and how it made me feel I felt I felt as if i had had this entire life that I have to say was amazing I mean I really loved yeah. all the life I had and if it hadn't happened you know, I, I, as if only yeah. I knew, and 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 now I was here, and my friends had already gone on with their lives. Like most of my friends are married and yeah, and have children, and you know, and then you arrive here, and I I I don't meet people that are expats. I don't you know, so I felt so lonely, and. Yeah. And for, the, for those six months, I have to say, uh, even though I was working a lot and I was having quite a lot of nice little, you know, successes, I guess, professionally and everything, but somehow it's like nothing had the same taste, you know, so that was hard. And also in, in New York, you want something, you work hard, you get it. And so that's how my brain is set up, like uh, this machine. I want it. <laughs> boom, work mode. Boom, gets next. You know, and it's yeah. different. You have to. You have to. You know, it doesn't work as fast as you want to. It's not. It, yeah. You need to do more than work for something to get it, you you, you know, or and yeah. also people's. I think like in Paris, people's favorite words always no. It's like he's like, <laughs> Can I no? And then you explain, oh well, maybe. Yeah. And then you end up doing it. But why is there this no? Why do yeah. you waste the time to tell me no so that then I have to waste time to explain why? And then you end up saying yes, you know, in America is yes and then yeah. we figure it out. So all these differences yep. that were a lot that created a lot of frustration for me, I think. Uh, and then that eventually once you understand the system and you understand people come from a nice place and, and I, I was lucky to be able to create my rules because I created my studio, which by the way, everybody yeah. said can't do that like what are you gonna do like you're a girl alone like it's not how really it's gonna take five years for you to find a space and you know by the way um, i created my rules then once i got to create my rules and i got to do it then i was like free of that of that pressure of that you know
0: Yeah, that's crazy. And was it always a dream of yours to own a studio? Or was it just like I need to build my own space now here to kind of bring a little piece of me from New York here? Like, how did that start?
1: like a mix, I think it was a latent dream because, uh, first, my dad is an entrepreneur and he was always like a source of inspiration for me as to work and his mm-hmm. work ethic and how he got successful coming from absolutely nowhere. Um, but, um, you know, when I majored, when I went to business school in New York City, I majored in entrepreneurship And so I think, you know, I always knew when I I opened my own ballet school, we were two uh, when I was 22, uh, when I was at school. So I knew I wanted a studio. The vision and everything just kind of creates itself later. But I knew I wanted, originally, I knew I thought I wanted a ballet studio. And then Mm it was before I got into fitness, right? So then I got into fitness. So the dream evolved, but I think I... From the moment where I decided not to be a dancer, I guess this is when this dream came, you know, to life. I mean, or came, you know, the dream came into my mind and then, uh, yeah, yeah, and then it evolved. It kept changing a bit.
0: That's amazing. So I have actually a personal question for you since I know you. How do you actually find the energy to do everything that you do? Because honestly, I see your Instagram and I'm like, I cannot even. Like if I don't sleep nine hours a day, I will be mad. I will be cranky and sleepy even if I'm doing what I love. Like what are your tips for mere mortals that (laughs) need to sleep? (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay well if you need to sleep i don't i don't have uh, i know i can't tell you to sleep less so if you need to sleep i uh, if we take uh, away quarantine time because i'm sleeping more than usual but yeah I, I used to sleep my entire life like five hours a day and like do these things i think it's like passion you know if if you love something why are you gonna sleep because then that's just less time you're gonna be doing what you know you you love so every hour you sleep is it an hour that you're not doing what you're passionate about so I think that probably <laughs> would wake me up early and then keep me up late at night and and it's like when people say because I do it's true I do a lot of physical work like my work is only yeah. physical almost you know and so I do this class and then I run there and then I do that. and But um, it's not constrained to me because I think that if you're passionate about something or you don't need to have a crazy passion. I mean, some people don't have a, a passion, but maybe they like something. If you yeah. to do what you like, the endorphins they will give you far oh, exceed the constraint. Like I never tell myself, oh, I have to go to the gym. <laughs> I've never pronounced this sentence in my life. I promise. Yeah. It's like because the pleasure and the the satisfaction, the pride it gives me like uh, uh, exceeds so much all the rest. It's just it's just what I do, and yeah. so. I think that oh, like a tip is like, I can't tell you to sleep less if you're a person that needs, you know, uh, 10 hours of sleep, but <laughs> maybe if you find something that you like and try to take a little bit, just a little bit more time to do it. Something that gives you pride once you've achieved it. You know, you take a class and then at the end, like, wow, I just did whatever, 36 pushups today and I never thought I could do it. Just that is like a small victory. You know, what is life if? You not you need to give yourself the chance to, to, to have small victories here, there, you know? And yeah. so try not to waste maybe too much time on the things that you don't like and try to find more time for the things you do. And then it might turn into a passion. Like I, I think it's also not people sometimes say, yeah, but you, you're lucky you're passionate about what you do. You're lucky because you love what you do. But I didn't know you would have told me when I was 22 years old that I would love so much like being a fitness instructor or teaching yoga Mm -hmm. I would have loved because at first I didn't even want to go to yoga (laughs) so (laughs) what I mean is you know you you have to not close your mind to new things your friend says come with me to learn uh, to knit you know I don't know maybe go because maybe you love knitting so much that then you'll end up, you know, like just wanting to do that, like being excited to get home after work so you can knit or whatever it yeah. is. We're like saying stay open-minded because you can be 30, 40 and maybe you come up with a new passion. And I think like it's the most wonderful yeah. thing if you can live with a passion, but whatever it is, if your passion is a puzzle, like it's so great. You can come home and do <laughs> a puzzle and you play you can have argued with your husband and, you know, whatever. You
0: have your puzzle, you know, it's like, it will always be with you. <laughs> Those are great tips. I definitely <laughs> agree. Um, And so the last question I always like to ask my guests is, I'm pretty sure you've had at least one experience where you've ever felt like you're alone in it or that you're the only one to feel it. Maybe it's a thought or an experience. Can you tell us what it was and maybe what you'd like to tell people that might be feeling the same thing you did at that time? Uh,
1: sure. So, I mean, there's me. I mean, uh, I think like everyone, I'm not, I'm not special. Everyone has had all these moments, maybe more, I mean, more than once I had many moments, but I think that the latest I can, and one of the most important one is when I first came back here and mm-hmm. I was, so I turned 30 last July and all your friends are nearly married or living with their boyfriends for like five years and, and, uh, you know, and, and you're not, and then I want to open my own business into the fitness world and yeah. then so i'm single right at the time and you and, and you're like okay so you're this 30 year old woman who wants to open her own business in paris where it's not really the culture is not really entrepreneurial you know it's not new york city yeah. and it's in the fitness industry so <laughs> you have to you have to see the look on people's face so when they're like not taking you seriously, whether it is, you know, your brokers when you're looking for a space or the landlords or like maybe it could be, you know, you have to face the banker and tell them, you know, yeah. oh, hey, huh? you know, and it's like, what guarantee do we have? And I'm like, well, you don't have a guarantee. It's just me. I've had, I've done this in my life. you know, and you have to try to convince these yeah. people who, they're like, who's this girl? Like, where is she coming from? That she, you know, and so then you have to, then I, when I got the space, because I guess I just had this business plan and I just went for it and, yeah. and, you know, I got the space. I had to do construction. I had to deal with the, 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 the contractor, the, the, the landlord, the, every, every single problem that we can have. I had like, oh, now the, the electricity is not working anymore. And now actually we have no, and so you have to do all of this all day. So, I would be in construction completely dirty, and then I would have to teach. And, like, you know, so it, I felt like I had this double life where I'd be like, okay, guys, let's do some push ups, and then go, what do you mean there's no heat? All right. We, you know, like, <laughs> I was a complete, like, two different people. Yeah. And then you have to come home at night being exhausted from teaching and going to the studio back and forth all day from clients to studio, problems to problems. And then yeah. you have to go home at night and face that, like, I was alone in my apartment yeah. and the next day would be the same. I would have to go and and then and one more problem and this, and how is it going to end? And it always costs more than anything. And so, and so then you have to go home and make yourself a dinner and it's like 10 30 PM and you have to somehow manage to, to get up the next day and, and do it again, you know? Yeah. So I yeah. think when I was feeling very lonely but I have to say if like that's uh, if people can relate um, at the same time you have the satisfaction once you make it through you know because now of course I had the support of my family like this is but once you made it through, like, wow, I, when I saw my space, when I had the opening party, I was like, I made this happen. Like I made my vision happen. And like, I didn't yeah. have the help that I knew someone who knew someone who helped me now, you know? And so I was feeling very lonely that that was like a few, like maybe three months process four months. month. Um, yeah. But there is this, this Satisfaction that wow, like all of this happened. So, if you manage to self motivate instead of talking down to yourself, if you Mm -hmm. like, no, come on, Julie, you're like, this is gonna happen, like you're gonna do it. And yes, Mm -hmm. tomorrow might suck, but then you know, then one day closer to your dream, and one, you know, and then everything once it happens, I don't know, it's like everything unlocks itself at the same time. It's like now everything is shining in my life. And all this time where I was alone doing all the hard stuff where I would have really needed somebody by my side and well, and then once you manage to do all of this, you're in a space of so much pride, so much like, I don't know, gratefulness and so much that action that everything shines to you then you find somebody that you wish had been there when you were when you were going through, you know what i mean so yeah it's like yeah to focus to stay to keep yourself motivated don't talk down at yourself because you're the if you're the only one person that is gonna be there for you if you're mean to yourself then what does that do you know so you have yeah. to try more this is what I wish like I had been more gentle sometimes given myself more slack you know and, and yeah. cut myself more slack and and um but I think it's important because in these moments when you only have yourself then you have to try to be your best friend
0: yeah, definitely. And,
1: that's and been, also, like you said, it yeah. doesn't
0: last forever. Like it's just for the time being, but then everything will be okay normally.
1: Exactly. I mean, like how many times have I felt alone? And I'm sure many people did. Like, you know, I, I felt yeah. alone in many things. When I was super successful in New York City, the last six months there, I also was alone. And it was a yeah. weird thing where everything was so good, but I was alone, you know? And then yeah. so it seems like for a long time you can't have it all if you're alone you're working towards something that's gonna yeah. give you satisfaction then once you get that satisfaction everything else kind of situation again like a puzzle it's yeah like, like it falls into at place time, at first it looks like such a mess and then one piece yeah. at a time and one day at a time you put one more piece and one more piece and eventually it all it all kind of the situation I like to say unlocks itself because I was yeah. feeling very locked and it's like I haven't have no option on my own only option do this alone face this alone come home alone do this alone and I that was feeling I was feeling very alienated but yeah I get that but like wow
0: you you don't owe it to anyone I love that I love the that that new perspective so guys remember life is like a puzzle you always find all the pieces and you put them together so just like Julie said keep calm it happens in
1: the end it does it does I promise it, it seems like listen you know I feel like I've been working for this project for so long because people that's yeah. their professional career with like a nice salary you know after school yeah me, was like oh now I'm gonna do fitness now I'm gonna you know when I went to school to business school I was 21 I was there with like 18 year old kids you know Yeah. Everything, you know, I was never, I had never had the proper timing or the timing that the rest of the (laughs) people had. I was always off, you know, I was always too late, too early. And, and, uh, but so one day at a time, it's like maybe my life seemed more messy. Like I think my parents, they have three kids, like the others are more of a, they they followed more the regular course of thing you know my life seemed messy i think and to me too (laughs) you know like nothing is really um sure and nothing is very you know but then but so my puzzle maybe their puzzle was 500 pieces and mine was a thousand so you know it took me it took me longer but at the end who cares because the puzzle is made for everyone right so yeah (laughs)
0: i love that i'm honestly gonna i'm gonna start doing a quote and living my life thinking it's a puzzle it's just amazing (laughs) okay so before we end this chat um i want to play a little game so there's a couple of rapid fire questions that i wrote for you and so we can end this episode on like a lighthearted note after everything we've talked about are you ready yes okay so what person dead or alive would you like to have dinner with if possible Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, oh no, that's too hard. Marie Antoinette. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. She'd be an interesting person. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always 20 minutes early? Oh, 10 minutes late. This is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of my people. I agree. <laughs> um, do you prefer square or triangles? Triangles. Oh, interesting. Magazines or books? <laughs> books. Do you prefer cozy nights in or crazy nights out?
1: Oh, oh I'm 30 now. <laughs> cozy nights in.
0: <laughs> this one's a hard one, I feel, for you. Dance or yoga? Oh, no. Well, my book <laughs> is so. It's dance and yoga. There. <laughs> That's cheating. Okay, fine. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Hot or cold? Hot for sure. Paris or New York? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that, please. I okay, Europe or that. America? Europe or America? Europe. Okay um and do you rather wake up early or sleep out if you had the oh chance my. no 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 wake up early <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're you're my hero honestly i could never like if i have the choice to sleep out 10 times out of 10 what? No. <laughs> but i stay late though like i'm the type of person that will go to bed like at 1 or 2 a.m still doing well, stuff but then I'm i'll really wake up okay, like
1: i feel bad but i also go out to bed at one.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> Damn. Okay, I didn't say anything. It's fine. We're all good. <laughs> so I want to thank you, Julie, for all the time you spend with me today. It's honestly been such a great time, and you talked about so many interesting things. I really hope you guys um, enjoyed our talk and learned something from the amazing Julie. And as always, you're going to find Julie's links for her Instagram, her personal one, and her studio. The good news is even if you're not in Paris right now, you can take her classes because she's doing Zoom classes. So for everyone wanting to take her amazing ballet yoga mix of classes, you can do that. You'll find the links. And uh, we'd love to know what you guys think about the episode. So please give us feedback. And you'll find as well our links on the uh, episode description. So thank you again, Julie, so much for being here.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. And I hope that all the listeners uh, enjoyed it as well. So thank you so much.
0: I'm sure they will. So see you next week, guys. And peace out, everyone. Bye.